1: Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Hello, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzzword is diversity. That's right. You heard me. Hey, the notion of board and workforce diversity today reaches beyond what we're used to. We're used to thinking about diversity in terms of race and age, gender, religion, nationality, even recently physical challenges or limitations. Well, what if we expanded that and we talked about representing different skills hmm, and viewpoints that... That POV thing, you know, you hear about in social media and expertise and even more hmm, could get very interesting. So how do you define diversity for your organization? How does it benefit you? Does it benefit you? And how much diversity do you really need? I have four experts speaking on this topic today, and they've got a lot to say. Let me tell you about them. First, we'll be joined by Paul Albert from Albert Investments, a returning guest. And he sent me this quote. He said, Bonnie, outstanding. Standing women directors I know would rather see the primary emphasis on their qualifications to contribute. Everybody remember that. Emphasis on their qualifications to contribute. With their label as a woman, there's your diversity, irrelevant to their board nomination. We'll find out from Paul what he means by that, if he's got any statistics to back that up. And then we're going to be joined again by a returning guest, Nola Masterson from Science Futures Management. And she says the pressure to fit or lean in as the current crowd likes to quote, we all know who that is, is a problem for a well-run board. And, And the reference to Lean In, of course, is Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg, who, by the way, just sold $91 million in Facebook shares today. But don't get scared. That was planned in advance. It finally hit its IPO dollars. Hmm, interesting. Also joining the panel today is Brian Barnier from Value Bridge Advisors. He's also a returning guest. And he says, quote, Too often, risk management does more to put blinders on than take them off. Board diversity can help take blinders off to more easily see risk in the business. So we're linking diversity to uncovering risk. And rounding out our panel today is a newcomer to SAP Radio, Nicole McCabe from SAP. And I have this quote from Nicole. It's not about whether a diverse board will positively impact the business It's whether that board can be inclusive enough to take advantage of the business benefits. Very interesting from Nicole, and she will explain that in a few minutes. So join us for the next hour for Board and Workforce Diversity, Enterprise Risks, Opportunities, and here's what you're all waiting for. Rewards. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We are coming to you live today, Wednesday, August 14th, 2013. It's now a few minutes after 11 on the East Coast and 8 in the, well, on the West Coast. There we go. Quick question for my Game Changers listeners before I introduce my guests. Hey, you have vast volumes of business data and they demand instant access and timely, insightful analysis. SAP HANA may come to your rescue. Click any banner on our show page on World Talk Radio, Voice America, the business channel, and go to a page with a lot of free offers, but I'd like you to specifically look for the free value calculator, see what it can do for you. Okay, let's meet my guest today. Paul Albert is chairman of Albert Investments and an experienced director of public and private companies, including chairmanships of Audit compensation, finance, governance, operating, and risk committees for over 30 years. Paul has been an international investment banker and finance and capital market advisor. Welcome back, Paul Abbott. How are you today?
2: Uh, fine, Bonnie. Glad to be back.
0: Wonderful. Where are you calling from today, Paul?
2: From my home office in South Salem, New York.
0: Oh, South Salem, New York. I'm on Long Island. How far apart are we? Can I wave to you?
2: Uh, Well, uh, probably, (laughs) but it's still a long drive.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll just wave in the cyber cyber world there. Thank you, Paul, for joining me. And Nola Masterson is the Managing Director of Science Futures Management Company, LLC, a 30-year-old investment and advisory firm. Nola is a biotechnology industry leader and successful visionary thinker. She has more than 40 years of business experience in the life sciences industry and venture capital investments. Welcome back, Nola. How are you today? I'm fabulous. Bonnie, how are you? How's, how's awesome. life in New York? Everything's great. Where are you calling from, Nola? I am
3: in Woodside, California, which is the bedroom community to Stanford University.
0: Okay, good to know. How's the weather out there?
3: Uh, it's really good.
0: Good. Really good here in New York, too. We got coast to coast sunshine. And joining us also is Brian Barnier. He's a business leader focused on corporate performance and valuation from the investor perspective. Brian is skilled in refining strategy and business models, understanding risks to return, and enabling leaders to do what they're supposed to do execute. He's a board member of a healthcare organization and co founder of Value Bridge Advisors. Welcome back, Brian. How are you today?
4: I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Where are you calling from today, Brian?
4: Uh, no airplanes, no trains, uh, no submarines. Uh, we're calling
0: from Connecticut. <laughs> okay, I hope it's sunny and beautiful there too. I think you're referencing the last time. Yes, we've had some interesting places our guests call from, and our newcomer on the panel today, and very warm welcome to Nicole McCabe. She's the senior director of global diversity and inclusion at SAP, focusing on gender diversity. Nicole has been with SAP for over eight years in various lines of business. She also belongs, interestingly, to the Society for Human Resources Management, otherwise known as SHRM, and she closely follows online communities centered on women in workplace leadership and diversity. Welcome to the radio show, Nicole. How are you today?
5: Great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us. So where are you calling from, Nicole?
5: I'm calling from Newtown Square, SEP. Okay. Headquarters.
0: There you go. I can I could almost wave to you across the bridge there near Philadelphia. Okay, let's get to it, everyone. We're going to go back into the opening, and we're going to find out what you really meant. Let's keep our remarks, to I'd say about a minute and a half apiece, and we'll get you all in on this segment. So, Paul Albert, outstanding women directors, you know, you said, would rather see the primary emphasis on their qualifications to contribute with their label as a woman, a female, there's that quota thing, irrelevant to their board nomination. Talk to me, Paul. What's your background for making this statement? What's your? What are your proof points?
2: Well, the interesting comment was related to uh, Suzanne Hopgood, who's uh, chairman of uh, the NACD Connecticut chapter, which I'm a director. Uh, Suzanne is a very experienced director in dealing with really troubled situations, uh, you know, fraud and and, uh, CEOs in jail. I mean, her war stories are incredible. But she made I a comment so. one time when we were talking about diversity in, in a Connecticut uh, uh, event that she got called uh, by, I guess, chairman of a nominating committee of a company who said, I'd like to talk to you about joining our board. And Suzanne's natural response was, well, you know, what are, what are my qualifications or special skills that will contribute uh, to, you know, the needs of your board? And the answer of the chairman of the nominating committee was, well, you're a woman. I mean, I can't think of anything more insulting to say someone as highly qualified as Suzanne, uh, to be a board member, uh, that her, the only reason they were thinking of her was because she was a uh, female. So, I mean, I, I really thought of that example. I mean, there's so many women uh, business people, both uh, I've served with many as a director, also worked with many very qualified women in the investment banking industry, and to uh, you know, to put the uh, gender as being their basic initial qualification. Mm-hmm. me, I, I think is insulting. Uh, and it, it, it's not the way we should really think about diversity. as I've said in my other comments uh diversity uh, you, uh, you get people uh who are diverse because they have so much additional to contribute it's mm-hmm. not uh, because of their diversity that they can contribute it's because of their background skills expertise and experience so that's i mean right, i think Paul. that's really a key point
0: uh, it's a key point, and I, I think if we look back historically, and I'm sure Nola, Brian, and Nicole can comment on this when I bring them on in just a moment. Uh, if you look back historically, we were dealing with quotas. We were dealing with diversity equals damn. We don't have enough of this kind of person and that kind of person, whether it was race, whether it was color, religion, whatever it was, gender, preference, whatever you want to call it, and they had to fill those spots because people were looking under that lens, I believe, Paul. It was a very bare lens of diversity meant how many genders and colors do you have at the table. I'm just putting that out there because I think in in previous times, and, and you can all comment later on, how far back my reference is valid for. Um, In previous times, it was, okay, if we had to do a quick quota check of who's sitting around the boardroom table, how do we say we've got a couple of this and a couple of that and a couple of that? I know colleges deal with the same thing, but we will uh, will talk about that later. I want to bring Nola into the conversation. Nola, you referenced, of course, Sheryl Sandberg's quote from her book about leaning in. The pressure to fit in or lean in as the current crowd likes to quote, of course, from her very publicized book, is a problem for a well-run board. What do you mean nola well a well-run board bonnie and and
3: i'm the chairman of a board of a middle-sized pharmaceutical company which has two women and two men on it a well-run board is a well-run group of intelligent people and Mm. a lot of times highly intelligent people when you get them in a room together they lower each other's iq rather than uh getting a collective higher iq
0: Nola, and, NOLA, 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 that's, so, that's such a contentious and, and provocative and compelling statement. What do you mean they lower each other's IQ? How could that be possible?
3: Well, it, it references a study of boards of companies which um, succeeded versus underperformed by uh, uh, Jeffrey Soenfeld of Harvard Business Review. Mm-hmm. And he noted that one key factor uh, significant to board group success was uh, formal aspects of government, governance. And, and I think that uh, most boards do not establish clear rules of engagement. Uh, Cheryl's uh, reference to lean in means that everybody has to be engaged at the table. And in mm-hmm. order to be engaged at the table, you have to almost draft and publish clear intent to compose a knowledgeable, inclusive board of, of directors and then hold them to some effective group dynamics and communication while you're running a good me- meeting. You have to be able to maintain candor, collegial mm-hmm. tenor, and productive relationships with peers and management at the same time as building cohesiveness at the board level. And that happens in a couple of different ways. You can do that by listening to dissenters, challenging assumptions, providing mm-hmm. adequate time to think then actively listening with empathy to understand and know the difference between dialogue, confrontation, and avoidance. And you have to ask for I statements that follow the facts that also include emotions without blame or judgment and actions that that have been proposed. I think that um, if you have a well-run board, you can do this. Many times this is a challenge for all boards, not just boards with women on them.
0: It sounds like a huge challenge, very idealized, and we'll talk about that more later. I want to squeeze in Brian, and if we can get Nicole in, otherwise we'll we'll move Nicole to the second segment. But, Brian, let's talk about your quote, please. Too often, risk management does more to put blinders on than take them off. Board diversity, our topic today, can help take blinders off to more easily see risk in the business. Quickly, Brian, how can board diversity help you see risk?
4: The reason that people get into such trouble and they talk about their surprises or whatever catchphrase they use for them is that they aren't aware of what's going on. They've got no situational awareness of the dynamic environment that's going on and the business capabilities of themselves or their competitors. And when they're blind to that, they get into trouble. What's worse is that so much of what passes for risk management out there that's really just sort of uh, rephrased audit or internal control enforces blinders, puts them on, creates rigidity. So you need board members with a breadth of experience from countries, Mm -hmm. from professional backgrounds, from industries, from any kind of way that you can think of it that would help a board member, to uh, Nola's point, get in there and say, this is stupid. A number of the presentations I've given to board groups recently have said, board members, you have to give your management permission to not do these things that are passing for risk management out there and actually manage risk to business objectives, and to take uh, Nola's point a step further, you know, she, she talks about, you know, using Cheryl's phrase about leaning in. Well, I think most of us, uh, you know, have experience on boats or live near the water. And for me, as soon as I hear that, it's a sailboat expression, you know, and I want to get into the wind. And that's mm-hmm. what it's about. It is not just sort of leaning in and be interesting, engaging, but it's acting like a team on a boat where everybody's got to trim a sail, everybody's on the tiller. Everybody's watching for the next mark, the next boat, just like we saw in the America's Cup the other day where somebody missed a warning flag and it cost them the loss of the race. Uh, that is where you need a diversity of people, diversity of skills, diversity of of everything in order to see what's going on and have that team ability to be able to process the information and then to take action. If you don't have that, you just toast. and I'm going to read your... You're sorry excuse for an earnings release as we've seen this season. Where yeah. some executive throws some other executive underneath the bus or, you know, doesn't want to deal with it in any kind of serious way and they just pick off investors off.
0: Brian, thank you very much. And you know what? Nicole's waiting patiently in the wings. We're going to open the second segment with Nicole's quote. It's not about whether a diverse board will positively impact the business. It's whether that board can be inclusive enough to take advantage of the business benefits. Words of wisdom from Nicole McCabe from SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. Our topic today, board and workforce diversity, enterprise risks, opportunities, rewards. When we come back, we'll kick it off with Nicole and We're going to add to the conversation workforce diversity. We're even going to describe what diversity is. I'm going to call on Paul Albert for that after we find out what my guests are drinking today. We're going to take a break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that dial, that app. Brad out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to graham at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag r a d i o Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers.
0: Oh, there's so much happening here on the show. We had a good off-air chat about diversity and boards and yada, yada. We're going to kick this segment off a little unusual. We have one more guest to talk about her opening quote, Nicole McCabe from SAP, and she says it's not about whether a diverse board will positively impact the business, it's really whether that board can be inclusive enough, and there's our topic today, inclusive enough to take advantage of the business benefits. Nicole, please tell me, what were you thinking, what does this mean to us?
5: Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Bonnie. So this quote, to me, I think it touches on, oh, ties in nicely, actually, with a lot of the other quotes um, from the participants. And I do agree. I think women do not want to uh, be known or put in seats just because they're women. They're extremely qualified, and often that gets overlooked. Um, and certainly, with the the somewhat controversy over quotas, you know, you do see the women getting put on boards. And while they're put on the boards to fill a quota or um, to have that visual diversity, unless the entire board has the engagement, has rules of engagement, understands the differences that each board member brings, they're really mm-hmm. not going to be able to fully reap those business benefits, right? And the business benefits, research tells us, you know, they financially they perform uh, much better from a risk perspective, uh, they perform much better and then also certainly from just an ethical uh perspective, right? New research has shown that companies that have more gender diverse boards uh p- perform much more um ethically in their bu- business decisions that they make. So I think that this quote really entitles just understanding the different perspectives. So when when it's gender based, um there's different physiological uh within the genders how the brains work the perspectives, how we think, the perspectives that we have on business um, situations and strategy. And it really avoids that group think if we really appreciate, you know, that perspective. Um, So that's why I talk about, you know, if we can be inclusive enough to understand the skills, the experience, the perspectives that the different genders bring and can work together to really reap the benefits, Mm -hmm. you know, then that's really what they're looking for for board diversity. If you're just going to, look for the board diversity in numbers and not do anything with those numbers and not fully leverage the numbers, um, then you really won't, won't be able to accomplish much and get the full benefits.
0: Thank you, Nicole. Great perspective. And now a little bit delayed, but we have to do the What's in Your Cup Today segment just because we do it on every show. So since Nicole had to wait for her quote explanation, I'm going to start with you, Nicole. What are you drinking today, Nicole McCabe?
5: Okay, fantastic. I am drinking my favorite Wawa coffee, and I think the best part about my coffee today is that it was free because <laughs> I was cut off on my way to the coffee store. Um, this guy cut me off, and then he felt so terrible that he did that. Uh, that he bought me a free cup of coffee. So I think I'm drinking the best beverage today. It really started the day out perfect.
0: Well, how nice. Sorry you got cut off, and I don't know if that was a harbinger that we were going to ask you to wait for your quote till the second segment, but here you are, and we will never cut you off again. Let's ask <laughs> Paul Albert from Albert Investments. What are you drinking today, Paul?
2: Uh, well, today I'm actually drinking Bigelow Lemon Ginger Tea, and the reason is, hey. you maybe can hear in my voice, I still have one of these nagging, annoying summer colds hanging on it's sort of better but you know they it's better and then it comes back so uh i'm sort of relegated to that kind of beverage for a while until i can get rid of this thing
0: paul you know something i was just uh, pinging my my engineer brad a few minutes ago saying paul has a great radio voice so whatever you've got maybe it's
2: better with a cold i don't know
0: (laughs) whatever you've got it's really working for you today nolan masterson what are you drinking today Bonnie, I'm drinking Good Earth
3: Vanilla Chai Tea, and one of the things I like about this little 40-year-old tea company is they put quotes on every teabag, and none of them are all alike, and today my quote was, I have only one superstition, I touch all the bases when I hit a home run, Babe Ruth.
0: Oh, very cool, very good, glad to have Babe on the show too, thank you. Brian Barnier, last but not least, of course, what are you drinking today?
4: Well, I was actually inspired by Nola, so uh, this time I have tea with milk, and she told me that that's the magic thing to bond the tannins or whatever, so I, I'm following her lead.
0: <laughs> and what kind of tea is it?
4: Uh, today we have black
0: tea. Okay, very good. And you know what? I've got a couple of tweets here. We have David Slavinsky from IBM, who's become such a loyal listener and tweeter. And, David, thank you for joining us. And I'll read this straight off Twitter. And, by the way, we're tweeting today at hashtag SAPRadio, R-A-D-I-O. Love to see you there if you're listening. Even if you're listening to the show later on demand, join the tweet stream. Make some comments about the show. So David says, and I quote, In honor of all the past hashtag SAPRadio guests who mentioned this, I am drinking hot tea, English tea, this morning, which I normally do not do. So, David, <laughs> welcome to the Tea Drinker Contingency. And Malcolm, of course, Malcolm Kimberlin from SAP at sales underscore MKT, he says, and he's my co-producer, enjoying my Phil's Coffee cup of love, to Sora. It's brewed one cup at a time. <laughs> no, no commercialism there, Malcolm. Thank you very much. So let's move on. We've been talking about diversity. We're talking about inclusion. We're talking about everything under the sun. But what are we really talking about? I think it's time to, I love the phrase, level set. And let's find out what we mean. I'm going to ask Paul Albert to open this up. How do we want to define diversity? And Paul, let's do it from the standpoint of not only boards, but let's expand it to workforce And let's talk about, if you can, I'd like you to go for maybe a minute and a half so we get everybody in on this, and then I'm going to have everybody just jump in. But not only board and workforce, but small companies, midsize and large, what are the differences? And if we talk about workforce, of course, we've got enough people to matter. So, Paul Albert, how do we want to define diversity? It's 2013. Go. Go.
2: Well, uh, uh, my, our definition of diversity, let's talk at the board level, for example, at Digital Globe, where I just retired after 14 years on the board. There we defined our board as having, needing a certain uh, bunch of skills, finance, marketing, because we're very defense uh, and, uh, oriented, people with background, military and intelligence and that sort of thing. So we very carefully, as part of our nominating committee process, uh, had about eight categories of people we needed on the board and then when we select uh, board members for nomination we try to fill in those qualifications i might say that uh... although the result was we got diverse board from both gender as well as other measures of diversity we didn't get it because we sort of said we have to have someone of such and such a religion such and such a gender we got it because we identified the qualifications, and then just naturally from that we got a diverse board. Uh, and, I mean, I think that's the ideal, I would say, the American way to do it. Um, I think diversity at the uh, the personnel and the operating level is in some ways even more important than at the board. At a Digital Globe, we had an incredibly diverse senior management team. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I think the overall result is, of course, that we have a, a very well-performing company in a very interesting industry. But I think all examples, uh, you have to be very, uh, uh, customized in terms of what you need. I mean, for example, in NOLA's industry, probably having someone on the board who, uh, understands something about clinical trials and the risks and so forth. I mean, obviously, you don't need something like that a company like Digital Globe, but if you're in the healthcare industry, uh, you do. So you have to be very customized. But we never started by thinking about we need a woman, we need a black, we need uh-huh. a you know someone of a certain religion. We never thought that way in in way we nominated people to the board. It just naturally came out of seeking people with qualifications.
0: Thank you, Paul. I want to get everybody else to jump in. We've only got about four minutes in this segment. So who wants to go next? Let's keep it really short so we get everybody's thoughts. Nola, Brian, Nicole, who wants to jump in?
3: Um, Brian, and Brian, I really appreciate your comments. And, Paul, I agree with you. You look for people that have a skill set to fill out your board. And does that mean that you don't look for a woman? I mean, because I actually find that I'd like to find a woman in a skill set to be on my board because we have products that uh, speak to women, that are sold to women, that go to women doctors. And I think our constituency, our investors, and uh, a lot of people look to how we structure our board to be reflective of our customer base and our investor base. And there's a lot of women that invest in the healthcare industry. So interesting I, I don't, point. I, I actually think you have to be proactive in looking for a woman that has the skill sets to sit at your board. Otherwise, you won't find them.
0: Very interesting. Nicole, do you have any comments? You're big on gender diversity. I know you sit on the uh, the Society for uh, Human Resources Management. What are your thoughts on what Nola just said and Paul's comments on defining diversity? Nicole?
5: Yep, I completely agree. I mean, when we talk diversity, it tends uh, sometimes to lead to just gender but it's really about the unique experiences, the skill sets that people bring together, and, and creating the best possible leadership team for your organization. So whether that's reflective, uh, from, reflecting, sorry, in your customers um, or your business, right? The, the main thing is that you you avoid um, individuals that are all thinking the same way and then are not representative of your business. So I think that that's the biggest thing that I would agree with is just the differences in skill sets. Um, and experiences that they can bring, and I think that's the basis for diversity.
0: Thank you, Nicole. Brian, we're waiting for you to join in here. We've got a, two minutes left to this segment. Why don't you take us up to the end? What are your thoughts on the definition of diversity? And please expand it, past board to include workforce and personnel.
4: Yeah, it uh, goes to the piece I mentioned before, is that you need to be able to have that big picture. Now, diversity alone isn't going to do it, so you've got all those dimensions that I mentioned earlier, but you also have to have sort of the methods and approaches uh, to doing it, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. Is that a partner at a consulting firm? And she was saying the other day that her clients just simply lack the creativity to do what they need to do, and she has no alternative almost but go to the the senior management and say you've got a massive hiring problem here, or training problem. The people just don't have the ability to see beyond themselves. I was talking to a friend in a pharma company the other day who said that the the, the chemists were always looking for some piece of data to magically answer the question for them and they couldn't think about scenarios they couldn't think about what if they were just scurrying to invest in some, you know hope that data will do their job for them and those are the kinds of things that imprison people that put the blinders on and why it's so important to couple the diversity piece with actual proactive attempts to harness that and use that in in combining creativity and analytics in order to see what could go wrong and to actually do something with it uh, rather than just wait for the tsunami to hit you.
0: Okay, thank you very much. You took us right up to the end. Good, good, good. And I'm Bonnie D. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be right back. We're on a very interesting topic today, board and workforce diversity, enterprise risks, opportunities, and rewards. We haven't covered enterprise risks. At least I don't think I heard that word other than the academic sense when we did our intro. So I'm going to ask my panelists, Paul Albert, Nola Masterson, Brian Barnier, and Nicole McCabe, to talk about enterprise risks of diversity. When we come back, we're going to take a short break. And I mean short, just like me. Don't even think of touching that app, that dial, that mouse. Brad out.
1: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to graham at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag r a d i o Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers.
0: Are, donc suis. A couple of words I'm going to throw into the mix here. We're talking about board and workforce diversity, opportunities, risks, benefits, all that good stuff. But we want to talk about diversity on the downside. Are there any risks in doing it? Is it how you define it? Is it how big that lens is, that scope when you go looking for board members when you're hiring into your workforce? Let's talk a little bit about uh, something in one of my guests' opening quotes they mentioned to me, or rather in a talking point, a murky sense of social justice. I'm sure everybody listening is thinking but bonnie pc we have to be politically correct we have to almost go through the quota list we need two of these three of this we've got to fill out that that uh, fruit salad if you will of, of having everything in there so we say boy this is a really healthy mix so nola let's talk about the risks and you mentioned to me on the break you don't want to talk about enterprise risks as much as reputation risks very good point nola start us off please
3: we- a company can lose its reputation in a lot of different ways by uh, people on the outside saying negative things that get picked up by the social media or get picked up by the press. And I think it, uh, women uh, that I know are, are sensitive to that reputation risk because as, as a woman, you've always had to have a clean reputation in order to even get on a board. So I think... Brian is correct when he said risks most often hide under rocks, such as uh, board diversity can actually help you see under the rocks in the time before you're already uh, aground on them and to use a sailing analogy. And mm-hmm. uh, that's that's actually why I populate my board with women.
0: Very interesting. Nicole, any thoughts on that on reputation risk?
5: Um, I, I absolutely agree, and I think. It it ties in nicely to to just the the ethics as well um, and making sure that when when you're doing business decisions that there does tend to be that consideration for for social um, justice, for ethics, for the community at large, um, which also helps to sort of reduce that reputation risk. So I would definitely agree um, with Nola's comment there.
0: Okay, Brian, why don't you jump in and talk to us a little bit about, I have a comment from you. You say, uh, let's see, um, most boards are worse at managing risk than a tween playing a role-based computer game. If you don't know why, you may already be fodder for your competitors. What does that mean, Brian?
4: That came out of some discussions that I have when I'm going through and looking at uh, company performance. And uh, when I do that, We talk about trying to get people to be creative, to harness this diversity, find out what you've got, all kinds of the things we've talked about. Most of them lack that ability. Then one day I'm sitting there with my 11 year old daughter, and she's telling me about this computer game that she's playing. And it's not just your garden variety computer game, but it's a role based game. Very important. Most of them are time wasters. In it, she's telling me about scenarios. She's telling me about capabilities. She's telling me about all these different factors. Where are you getting this from? So I look up the backstory on these games. And they came out of a bunch of Japanese doctoral students that were studying Deming, you know, decades ago, and so that's why she's getting a, a you know a graduate degree in simulation and gaming theory, you know, although she can pick out a, a pink uh, mythical pet to go with her on her journey. Most executives can't handle that level of what ifing in the organization. That's why they end up using the emerging risk excuse. Oh, we could nobody could have caught that. It's an emerging risk, and yet I go through long lists of people who have dealt with exactly the same thing, and so I call it head-in-sand risk, because they can't see it. So whether it's a consumer marketing sense and you're marketing a product to women, like Nola mentioned, or whether it's an aerospace thing, like Paul mentioned, you need the right kind of technical acumen or understanding of your customers. If you don't got it, you're doomed before you start, then why come and whine to me when you miss your earnings numbers out of something that all your competitors or many of your competitors saw coming and you simply didn't address? Major dysfunction, not just in the executive suite in that case, but the boardroom. And what's even sillier is when the board doesn't understand why their own earnings release looks so ridiculous to investors.
0: Well, very interesting. Uh, uh, Nicole sent me an interesting piece of a tidbit here, a factoid about a catalyst study that found, on average, companies with the highest percentages of women board directors outperformed those with the least by 53%. She also said in the U.S., women control 51% of all private wealth, 60% of all personal wealth, and over 50% of all stock ownership. So I don't know. Should we we say the numbers don't lie? Um, uh, Paul, Paul Albert, any thoughts on these statistics?
2: Yeah, well, I'm going to be a little bit provocative because I've heard some things, uh, you know, suggesting maybe that women are on boards are more ethical than men on boards. I don't think it was quite said that way, but uh, I, I did comment about those studies. I, I really don't think that the women on boards, the, the, the correlation between better performance has anything to do necessarily with women being on the board. So I think it's maybe evidence that companies that do have good diversity, including women on the boards, tend to be much more open-minded companies to begin with. Um, and they, and therefore they outperform. And I, I really, I, I don't think there's a cause and effect. In fact, there was an interesting, uh, comment, maybe this is four or five months ago, when there was reference to these studies that said, well, yeah, but uh, if you look at uh, companies with women chief executives, they underperform companies with men chief executives. Again, I don't think it has anything to do, the correlation I don't think has anything to do with cause and effect. But I I, I really think you also have to focus on, are women somehow different than men? Well, you know, I've got a twin sister, a younger sister, a very... Mm strong-minded mother and i've been married 45 years so i agree maybe women are different but i don't think they're different <laughs> in their capabilities also i mean a digital globe jill smith was our chief executive very successful uh, and when when uh, jill for personal reasons uh, left the company we hired jeff tar uh yet i think jill was more what i call a steel leader and Jeff's a little bit more a bel- velvet leader, a little more collaborative. Mm. So these stereotypes that women are somehow more collaborative than men, my experience in all phases—personal, uh, military, uh, you know, academic, uh, and and business—I don't think necessarily you can stereotype women as having certain type of qualities different than men. I think there's a great male, uh, diversity in styles in men and women. And the ultimate results can be – you can be very strong leader, steel leader, and you can be a very strong velvet leader and produce results. Most good leaders have to be both. Actually, this term say, comes yeah. from an yes. interesting book by a classmate of mine named Bob Lenora called Triple Crown Leadership, that concept of steel and velvet needed uh, – at various times when you're leading a, a company or, or a military or whatever, or a team. So uh, I mean, maybe we can open discussion about, uh, you know, are women really different, or is there vast diversity in styles among women and men that also is an element of diversity?
0: Thank you, Paul. I want to jump in with another study in Nicole's note she sent me before the show, and I'd like everybody to comment on this. We'll start with Nicole. A study by the University of Michigan focused on Norway's mandate of 40% female board representation. That's a mandate. And here are the findings. The quota resulted in a devaluation of Norwegian firms, citing that it had forced companies to create younger and less experienced boards. Whoa. Nicole, where did you find this? Very interesting. And then I want everybody else to jump in.
5: So I found this in one of my um, recent searches, and I am not uh, a proponent of quotas. And I think that, um, again, I go back to valuing the skill sets that people bring, valuing the, the experience that people bring, Um, So when I look at quotas, I do think that some organizations don't fully evaluate those skills and experiences and what that individual brings and can contribute to the board. I think they look at it, um, as Paul had mentioned before, right, as you're a woman and you can fill this seat and therefore I've met my quota. And unless you're really enabling that board to be able to fully um, optimize the talent that they have, you know, I think that's what sort of leads to the failure there. Um, And I recently heard something or read a blog by Trevor Wilson, who's a Canadian global diversity strategist, and and I like what he had to say because he said more around the lines of we need to move the conversation away from just diversity and really talk about the talent optimization component, which is what I think many of us are talking about today, really. What do each of our employees bring? You know, how can you Mm -hmm. put the right skill sets together to unleash creativity, to unleash innovation? Um, and manage the the business correctly so
0: very very good points thank you nicole uh we have let's see three minutes so i'd like to get uh brian in here and i'd like to get nola before we finish this segment so who wants to take up where nicole left off nola brian brian go ahead
4: yeah so here i just sit back and, and say it's like investing you're buying the business not just trading a market and all these generalizations out there just keep distracting us from you know the really meaty comments that Paul and Noah have made here is that you 're looking at individual people to make a distance, a difference rather, and not at you know just some kind of broad notion from a distance and that 's where this stuff comes into play uh, in getting all the skills and getting all the mixes and then yes, you absolutely have to do it and because the whole talent management thing, as Nicole mentioned. We do horribly, and Paul mentioned his military experience, so I talked to so many military people coming into private sector going, what happened to my development support structure? Where did it go? How come? We don't have mentoring. We don't have HR. We don't have all this stuff that I'd come to be used to in the military. And in our massive rush to to zero and cutting, uh, one of the things that we've lost is that kind of notion especially to develop different personality types because the ones that get developed in an organization today tend to be ones that happen to hook up with somebody else with a personality type that's willing to do it. But that whole systematic thing that uh, that appreciates the diversity of people is something that we're just lacking across uh, industry broadly here.
0: Thank you, Brian. Nola, why don't you take me up to my break? What do you think about this conversation? Well, I just have a... Uh, bias,
3: and I think everybody has biases, and my bias is that I've spent 45 years in business, and and I think that I wanted to be on a board 30 years ago when I went into the business that I went into. That was a goal Mm -hmm. of mine. I don't know Mm -hmm. how many women have that as a goal, but in my network, which is pretty broad, there's a lot of women sitting on the sidelines right now saying, I'd like to be on a board. How did you do that? I think the business case for women directors can go up or down, but I think we're missing a lot of talent by not looking for people that you wouldn't normally look for and making sure that you, you get them. I think the business case for women directors, as Catalyst has said, is that there's a higher return on equity. So lots of mm-hmm. times there's superior sales and a higher ROI. And I don't think you need metrics. To, 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 to say that, but that's what the metrics are saying now. The research found that companies with the best financial results were achieved by companies with more than three women on the board of directors.
0: Very interesting. You know what? It's time for us to move to our final break. When we come back, I'm going to ask my four guests Paul Albert, Nola Masterson, Brian Barnier, Nicole McCabe get out that chamois, that polishing cloth. If you have an old banky in the garage, get it out. Polish off that crystal ball. We're going to be talking about what each of you predict board and workforce diversity will look like in 2018 so fast forward five entire years and will we still be having this conversation will diversity have a new meaning will it be a piece of bits and pieces of what we talked about today and what will be the enterprise and reputation risks opportunity and rewards how do companies find the right mix of diversity and by the way to our listeners I want to thank all of you in 59 different countries that are already listening to coffee break with game changers we're Delighted to have you on board. So thank you very much. Tweet anytime to hashtag SAP radio and we will respond. I'm Body D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be right back.
1: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.
0: Here we are, and we're going to be talking about looking ahead five years. What will board and workforce diversity, inclusion, whatever you want to talk about it, quote is that terrible keyword, what will be the risks, the opportunities, and the rewards in five years? Let's start with our first guest in the original order, Paul Albert. What do you think? What do you see how okay. Well, I, I see. Uh, we've
2: we've already got a you know highly diverse workforce. Let's just talk about the U.S. I mean, uh, outside the U.S., I mean, we got different stories in different countries. But uh, I think we'll continue to see, as far as women goes, I think the percentage of women on boards of major public companies will continue to increase. Uh, I think if you go to smaller companies and it's it 's uh, really different across the board I mean digital globe's are a relatively small company, but we have a diversity because we have really outstanding you know uh, thinking people about the whole need for diversity uh Smaller companies in the midwest you sometimes go to some small oil company and it 's all still all the local cronies on the boards to some extent, so mm-hmm. there 's still work to be done. Uh, but I mean, I think we're, we're making good progress. The one thing in the U.S. that I do not see and, and I, I certainly would not advocate, I've taken a strong position. It's un-American, probably unconstitutional. I don't think we're gonna go to any kind of quota system, uh, in the U.S. in any formal sense. I think people sort of do take affirmative action in nominating committees and say, we need this skill set, and let's make sure that when we look for the person, that we also make sure we look for women with the appropriate skill sets. I think that sort of affirmative action thinking is, in fact, taking place. So uh, I see a change, gradual evolutionary in the direction, uh, but no sort of movement towards quotas, uh, which is a slippery slope, and I don't think you're going to have that in the U.S.,
0: Very interesting. Quick question for you, Paul, before I turn to Nola for her predictions. Paul, who would be the voice of reason, and I use reason in big fat quotes here, who would say, you know, we're really not doing enough diversity or our inclusivity inclusivity process, our perspective on it. Not right, not quite broad enough. We need to open the scope, open that lens. And, and who's going to be the one to say that? Will it be the CEO? Will it be the president of the board? Will it be a, a, a very vocal shareholder who's saying, "Huh, you guys, you know, let's open this up." Where will it come from, Paul?
2: Well, I think I think it comes already from the chairman, lead independent directors, and and when you select CEOs, uh, if you're on a good board. Uh, the whole emphasis on on tone at the top, leadership, and uh, I, I think it's it's so well uh, you know, documented that diversity is something you have to seek, not as a legal or a compliance matter, but as a good business practice. All the boards I've been on, uh, you know, all the people are open minded and recognize that that's beneficial. Uh, so I, I I don't think you need to have somebody out there uh you know pontificating there are people already but i think uh, the message is already well heard in corporate america as far as boards go and as far as as employees i mean employees you do have certain mandatory uh requirements uh but but uh i think it's happening
0: thank you very much nola masterson talk to me predictions five years ahead what do you see well, I think we're seeing more women in senior
3: level positions, and that has promoted a dramatic shift in thinking about leadership. So, where strong, brave, and aggressive were traits that once defined leadership, today we're more inclined to value leaders who exhibit traits, uh, thought to be more feminine. Honesty, mm. empathy, communication, collaboration, and the ability to nurture. A lot of this comes out of a book that is focused on thinking about the future called the Athena Doctrine, or how women and men who think like them will rule the future. And it's based on research of 64,000 people worldwide, and they found that the traditional feminine values and leadership styles are more popular than the macho paradigm of the past. And according to the book, the people around the world are frustrated by a world dominated by behaviors that are typically thought of as male, control, competition, aggression, and black and white thinking. These male behaviors are often cited, you know, when they're talking about world problems, and people want a fix to that. So they're looking to women. And even the Oracle of Omaha has said he does not worry about the future because he sees so many women taking their place at the table so i do think that we'll see more women in senior management lab places and i do hope that with a a lean in philosophy management will develop those leaders into board members
0: very good. Thank you, Nola. Appreciate that very much. I, I wanted to just comment very quickly that the comment on, on the types of personality traits, personality traits and strengths you were talking about, what is typically, you said honesty is considered more of a feminine or a female trait. I got a kick out of that. I know we still have that old fashioned viewpoint, and I don't know if anybody would, would dare contradict me on this, where if a woman speaks up, she's seen as aggressive, emotional, uh, Maybe a little desperate, and if a man does oh he 's so smart, oh, look at those insights I think we 're still operating on some of those old fashioned uh, who gets to say what and how is it couched or how is it perceived but that 's another show let 's move to Brian Barnier Brian, what do you see in your crystal ball five years out for diversity
4: well, everybody 's covered things so well i 'm going to have an aspiration rather than a rather than a prediction because. You know, Paul mentioned his, his, his mother and his wife and 45 years, and I hope I can get there, Paul. And, um, you know, I've got a son and I've got two daughters, and Nola knows about them. And, and my daughters are very different. My one is, is off to, uh, you know, a career as a PhD biochemist, and my, my, uh, other daughter, she's younger, she wants to be a writer or something, you know, fiction and all this kind of stuff. And, and they're all very different personalities and different blends yeah. growing up in the same household. And it is my aspiration for them that they all feel that they can be on boards. And it is my Mm -hmm. aspiration that we will be able to change our corporate environment such that we will appreciate various types of personalities for what they can bring in. Just like when we sit around in an investor group and talk about different analysis perspectives and we realize that if we don't harness that diversity, we're going to lose money and lose it real fast. We've got to do that same thing in uh, in the corporate boardroom and every place else. And so that's my aspiration.
0: Thank you. I I appreciate that. I think it's one of the few times on the show we've done over 130 shows when somebody has turned their predictions into aspirations. I like that a lot. And thank you. Nicole McCabe, you're going to wrap this up. Wrap this up. I can give you just about a minute. So talk to me. What do you see five years ahead for board and workforce diversity? Nicole.
5: Okay. Thanks Nola. I think much has been said, um, but I certainly think that the the women at senior levels and, and on the boards will continue to grow, albeit probably a slow uh, pace that it has been. So I don't think there's going to be any significant jumps there. I do think that the conversation will shift um, a little bit away from the diversity aspect of it and, and look at true leadership, right? So as we are selecting CEOs of companies, as we are, are grooming individuals um, within organizations, right, that we're focusing more on leadership capabilities. Um, And leaders' capability to really connect with employees, leverage employees, um, and really harness um, that tremendous asset that each company has. So I think it's going to shift much more towards that leadership style, um, as Nola had mentioned with the Athena Doctrine, and much more away from, say, diversity, which I think can also then tend to lead to more um, exclusivity, right, and put those barriers up. So that's my prediction.
0: Thank you very much, Nicole McCabe. Okay, time for me to do my predictions. It's easy. They're written down. Upcoming shows. Next week is the beginning of a two-parter. It's very interesting. Ever heard of millennials? Ever heard of what's in their pocketbook and their fashion tastes? Well, we're doing a two-week show called Fashion Retailer Alert delight millennials or die I wanted to use perish but die just seems so much more dramatic so we're going to have some very interesting people on from different fashion trends in fact we even have a designer and we're going to be talking about millennials and retailers very important not just if you're young and have a lot of spending money but what's happening in the retail world and who gets to dictate what we see in our stores also I want to call to your attention we just finished a 13-week series called financial excellence with game changers you can listen on the business channel it's all Archive. They're ready for you for on-demand. Go looking for financial excellence with game changers. And big news, starting September 10th, and Nicole probably knows about this, we're launching a new mini-series on Tuesdays called HR Trends with Game Changers. And I want to do a shout-out to Liz Brenner and Tom Flanagan for helping to organize that along with my partner in crime here, Malcolm Kimberlin from SAP. We're busy creating an amazing 13-week editorial calendar and fantastic guests. So we're looking forward to that. So now it's time for me to say thank you. Thank you to Paul Albert, Nola Masterson, Brian and Nicole McCabe. Wonderful guests. Great conversation. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, your perspective, your expertise, and your POVs. And a shout-out again to Liz Brenner, Malcolm Kimberlin, and Brad Ryan and the Business Channel team, Jeff and Jeff, at Voice America World Talk Radio. Here's my call to action. Put your seatbelt on. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, R A D I O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.